The Start Your Own Business Podcast. Hear inspiring startup stories and get reliable expert advice on how to start your business and get off to the best possible start. Brought to you by Startup Donut, helping small businesses succeed. Hi there, my name's Fiona Pryor and I'm your host. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we'll be talking all things wholesale. We'll be looking at how small, independent retail businesses can buy wholesale from other small suppliers, makers and craft businesses. We'll discover where you can find small suppliers, why you might choose to buy wholesale from them and the benefits of doing so. We'll also be discussing how small artisans, makers and producers can grow their business through wholesale how wholesale can help you reach a whole new audience and how it's possible to get your goods and products stocked by larger retailers. My special guest today is business consultant and wholesale and retail expert Therese Ertenblad, founder of Small Business Collaborative. Therese works with product-based business owners who want to grow the turnover of their wholesale business. Some of Therese's clients are now stocked in the likes of Liberty, John Lewis and Selfridges, as well as many other smaller independent retail shops around the world. Previously, Therese spent over a decade working in sales in the home and gift industry. Before we meet our guest, let's find out about our sponsor, FAIR, the one-stop shop for wholesale. Are you looking for fresh inventory for your shop? FAIR is the leading wholesale marketplace where retailers can purchase unique products from over 100,000 independent brands, from home decor to pantry staples and everything in between. Retailers get access to FAIR's 60-day payment terms, free returns on open orders and the flexibility to shop anytime, anywhere. Or start selling as a brand with exposure to hundreds of thousands of verified businesses around the world. Join today at FAIR.com. That's www.fairie.com. It's time to meet our guest, startup expert Therese Ertenblad. Hi, Therese. Thanks for joining us. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So when I think of small businesses, I mostly imagine them selling to consumers. Um, I don't think it had really occurred to me that small retail businesses could or even would buy and sell to other businesses on a wholesale basis. But I guess with 5.5 million businesses in the UK, there must be hundreds of thousands of businesses that sell on a wholesale basis. Absolutely. There is so many small brands out there that sell to both independent retailers and slightly larger retailers. But I can see how to the average average consumer, if you will, that's not always, you know, something that everyone knows. So when you start a brand, perhaps you don't think that that's something that is within your reach. I meet a lot of small businesses that are, you know, startups that would not have considered wholesale as part of their sales channel. But when you do start, if you can produce a bit more, I think it's a great sales channel. It's actually easier to learn, I think, than say Instagram or newsletter softwares and some other things that perhaps change more frequently and more quickly. So I think it's a really good sales channel to consider. 
Of course, when you start out, you might not want to sell to John Lewis because you might not feel ready for that, but you can certainly sell to your local independent. Yeah, so if you're setting up a retail business, what we're saying is that regardless of whether you're a gift shop or a pet shop or whatever it might be, you can actually buy your stock from anywhere. You know, it doesn't have to be a larger supply. You can be buying from someone down the road who makes craft gin or locally produced cheese. And what an amazing story to tell, right, to your customers. It makes it so much more personal and it gives you a real USP as well, I think. Like, you know, it makes something, gives you something unique to tell your customers. Yeah. And I think as well with with people being increasingly concerned with things like air miles, if you can say, well, actually, this has come from a local producer down the road. That's like you say, a real USP for someone to market their business with. Yeah, absolutely. I saw the other day I was out in my local town, my next village next to me, and they have a lot of independent. It's called um, Amtil. And there was one of the shops they even had on their, you know, their those kind of A-frame signs that they put outside in the street. Yeah. And it said, um, 30, we stock 30 independent makers or something like that. Yeah. Um, so it is a real selling point and I thought that was so nice I even took a picture of the sign <laughs> yeah we've got a local farm shop and they have a, a feature that they always have on their website and actually in the store as well and it's 30 in 30 and so they've got 30 different businesses that are all within 30 miles of the farm shop so it might be gin it could be locally produced potatoes it could be local beef or pork and that's a real people go there because they want to be supporting their local businesses I love that. That is so good. Yeah, I think uh, consumers are definitely more clued up to it as well now. Yeah, definitely. So if you're buying from from smaller retails, what would you say the, the main benefits of doing that? I think that, I mean, for one, it's a better story to tell, I suppose. Like we talked about, it's a great story and selling point to your customer. But I also think it gives you slightly more exclusive items, perhaps, you know, you're not stocking the same as all the big shops around you. Um, A lot of smaller suppliers will also have lower minimums. They will be much more flexible. And of course, you get that personal relationship and service. So and I, I think that is a real key that shouldn't be underestimated, that you can just be like, oh, are you busy? Can you pop into the shop? Can we chat about the next order? And you can actually meet someone face to face or just knowing their name, even if they're not local, being able to build that relationship with someone is so valuable, I think. Yeah. And you can, you know, try before you buy and get involved in the business, I suppose, in other ways. You're not just someone buying from them. You can directly help them improve their business by giving them feedback too. Yeah, it's a two-way relationship. Whereas like with a big supplier, you're probably not even a face to them, you know. You will be one of the small customers, the thousands and of small customers that buy from them. Whereas with the local or perhaps smaller brands, whether local or not, you're probably one of their more important relationships. So you will have, a, they will have a lot more time for you. Yeah. And you, you mentioned a thing that sort of caught my ear there is about you, you, they're more willing to have a lower order size, you know? Yeah. 
and and that can be really important because as a small business you don't want loads of your cash tied up in stock that you're having trouble shifting yeah and some of the big suppliers even have rules in place on how much you have to spend with them on a yearly basis you know uh, whereas a small supplier they're just happy if you place a couple of orders a year perhaps um do you think it's possible that you can also save money by buying from a smaller retailer or small business i don't necessarily think that you may be saving money as such on each item you know in terms of buying from a bigger business they often have offer fairly good margins to their wholesale customers however they that flexibility and the minimums means that you don't have to tie as much of your cash flow up so even though it's not like oh i get you know you can make another extra two pounds on this item from this supplier versus this supplier it's more about the 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 cash flow i think that that is important yeah so how would you go about finding suitable small independent suppliers and makers well i think that social media could be a great place to start um there's lots of facebook groups with small independent brands you know um there's a ton of them out there uh shopping in other shops that you like just checking out what other people do but perhaps not people too close to yours because you don't want to do copy someone that is in the same town perhaps but right you know someone that is a bit further afield in-person markets can be great trade shows of course hashtags on social media like march meet meet the maker could be great and then of course platforms so marketplaces like fair.com for example which yeah. is uh, full of independent suppliers what's what kind of it of sort of products would you be able to find on on those marketplaces then if you're looking everything and anything i feel um they they have a huge wide range of things so anything from clothing to giftable food items i would say perhaps not milk but you know a nice gin or a nice giftable sweets or spices that sort of thing on the food scale you know toys and children's products definitely candles and greeting cards lots of candles and greeting cards and nice smelly stuff like home fragrance in general you know and toiletries jewelry i'm sure they even have pet things you know there's so many things that they have so anything and everything that you could possibly imagine a small independent you know company making you'll be able to find it there somewhere yeah that would have been a better answer yes (laughs) and aladdin's cave of handmade goods and products yeah it's so good and you know often you can search by where it's made so you know whether you're based in the uk for example you can usually search and filter down to where you want it to be made or you can search on things that are not on amazon or that are you know organic or sustainable there's lots of things that can help you narrow down and find brands aligned with your store's values yeah 
Yeah, no, that's that's a great tip. You know, if you've got a particular USP that you're marketing as part of your brand, if you're able to filter those products yourself so that you can make sure that you're keeping your stock and the things that you're selling in line with that, that's a great tip. So you mentioned briefly about trade shows and craft fairs. Would you say they're a good place to find independent producers? Yes, I think in some cases they are. Of course, there's a mix between large and small brands on there. But I do think if you're someone that is very visual and you like to touch things and pick things up and see the scale of things, I think trade shows is still a good way to do that as a complement to other ways of finding brands. I think that it also gives you a chance to meet the people behind the business and, you know, have a face-to-face chat with someone at the business. So I think it's good for that. And I do think that often at trade shows, you will find a lot of independent brands, but that are established enough that they can give you the margins you need. And they have thought about the service they can give to retailers like yours. Um, So I think that they can be a good option. You just have to, you know, if you're only looking for smaller brands, you just have to make sure that that's what you, you're perhaps looking at the smaller stands or the stands towards the back of the show or wherever they may be on there. Just have a look at the floor plan. The hidden gems. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) So how do wholesale deals normally work then? What sort of trading terms might you expect to have to accept? Is it cash up front or does it work on a sale or return basis? If you're buying from more smaller brands, a lot of them can't offer you a very long credit terms. So a lot of times they it's helpful for them if you can pay performance or cash up front or, you know, bank transfer up front or card payment up front. Um, but some of them will offer you credit terms later on, for example. Whether they do sell a return or not really depends on the business and how they're set up, I think. A lot of them would probably prefer not to because it gets very, very tricky to keep track of when you are a small brand and having stock in lots of different places can be very hard to keep track of so yeah it it becomes a bit of an admin heavy thing to do but but um, some of them will be flexible with it I think that um, it's really important that if you're thinking that actually I would really like to try before I buy with some other brands, so I would prefer a bit more of a risk-free option like sale or return, then I think it's really important that you define with the brand what sale or return means to both of you because it has gotten very muddied out there where some people think, uh, seller return is the same as selling on consignment or on commission as seller return and it can mean whatever it means to you but you need to make sure that you're both on the same page basically yeah so I suppose that's the same as any any kind of you know business relationship that you have is making sure that you've got clear terms and conditions so that everyone understands exactly what their obligation is and what is expected yeah, I think a lot of smaller brands have been scared off from doing sell or return for because they didn't define it clearly. And, you know, they place things in stores and then 
a year and a half later, they got back stock that wasn't sellable and they hadn't been paid for hardly anything. So I think, you know, by defining it and being very clear that it's a two-way relationship and it needs to benefit both parties, I think people will be more flexible with you and, and consider things carefully and maybe say yes. Have you got any tips that you can give to a small business in terms of how they can go about making sure they get a good deal as a, as a startup? Uh, as a retail buyer, so if they have a shop, I think, you know, just knowing the industry averages of things, I, I think even going on somewhere like FAIR, you can compare things quite easily. It's very transparent, you know? Yeah. And also FAIR gives you credit terms, for example. But I think that generally speaking, in most categories, not all categories, as in all types of products, um, the normal going kind of margin average is 50% of the retail price. Right. On the XVAT retail price, I should say. Um, sometimes you might, that might be a little bit lower if you're dealing with um, something more handmade, for example. And some of the bigger brands, of course, can offer a little bit more or mm. something like greeting cards might be coming on a little bit of more higher margin but i think it's good to benchmark i guess the prices that you're being quoted around that level yeah you you talked uh, you mentioned um larger suppliers there would you say that um more established suppliers are sometimes wary of working with smaller businesses sometimes they are more wary of working with newer businesses, but not necessarily smaller businesses. I, I mean, in my experience, I worked for both small and large suppliers before. And, you know, we would always take an order from a small independent and be happy about it. It's just um, there's obviously a lot of people opening up online, only smaller businesses that perhaps come and go quicker than brick and mortar stores for example so um some big suppliers are wary of you being too new in business i would say yeah so what what would you say are the key factors to consider when deciding whether to buy from from a wholesaler rather than than you know smaller business you know because it's not just about the price is it although the price is important it's not that's not the sole factor you need to consider when when going entering those relationships no, I think there's lots of things. One, I think that, you know, do they have enough of a product range that you're interested in? Is that product range right for you? Is the quality right for you? But then also kind of things like pack sizes, how many you need to buy of each um, design, for example, the minimum order, so how much you have to order each time you order from them. Of course, the lead times as well. So how long will it take you before your order from your order arrives? Yeah. What are the payment terms that they are happy with? And, and you know, things that will help you sell too, like how it's made, who made it, can you create a story there? I think it's important. And then there's little things that you might not think of if you also have an online website and I guess social media, do they provide photography of the items or do you have to photograph it? Those little things can all contribute to being a, if it's a good supplier relationship or not, I think. 
Yeah, and I suppose the good supply relationships are important. They can, you know, can make all the difference to you. Um, you know, you can support each other, like you say, by them providing you with marketing materials and um, speeding up deliveries if you're suddenly finding yourself short of stock because your customers love the product when you've bought it into your store. So those relationships can be really handy that you can draw on them when you need to. Absolutely. So looking at things from the other side, if I was a small independent brand for the sake of argument and I I made things, mm. I made, say, craft gin. I don't know why I chose gin, but let's say well, gin is craft on your gin. Mind. Um, would, it is on my mind. It's nearly the weekend. <laughs> um, if I'm a small independent brand and I make things, would you recommend selling my products via an online platform on a wholesale basis? Yes, if you can, if the margins can work for you. So um, the way that online platforms work is that they take a commission on sales. Right. So as long as you're very clear on your prices and your margins and you know that you can still make money on that paying that commission, um, then absolutely. Why not? It's I don't think that that should be the only way you approach retailers. But I think it's a great shop window to what you do. And people that you don't think of contacting might come to you. There's also, you know, you can also make it part of your sales funnel. When you reach out to buyers, you can say, and you can also order from me here so that it's really quick and easy to order because a lot of buyers are already on those kind of platforms buying. And are there some businesses where you would say selling via a platform is more suitable than others? Yes, I would say if your product is a very, very labor intensive, so one offs, very super unique, each item is different. Selling on a platform will make it perhaps harder because you have to photograph each item and you know it's still an online store so it might become a bit too admin heavy so I think okay if you're super super handmade and unique and one-offs I think it can there's a lot of um it might not be the best option for you not right for you yeah so if you're producing something where it's reproduced in multiples, then it's more going to be more suitable for you to, to sell via a platform. I think so, yes. Yeah. So what are the other options? Uh, is it just a case of, you know, doing some research, finding retailers who might be interested or who already stock similar products and then approaching them directly? Is that a route that you could go? Yeah, absolutely. You can... I think that that is the most common way to go to pro- approach buyers directly. I think introducing them if they're local, walking into the shop, unless they have a disclaimer that they don't like that. I think a lot of shop owners actually do like it. Perhaps not if you go right now. I don't know when this episode will go out, but say in the Christmas rush when it's super busy and their shop is packed, perhaps avoid going in then. Um, but but otherwise, I do think that it's something that people enjoy. Reaching out on email is probably the absolute most common way of reaching out to people. Yeah. 
But then you can also, depending on your business model, and you could also maybe consider doing trade shows. They are not just for big businesses. Yeah. They are a financial investment, but there's still no other way like it where you can reach as many buyers in the short amount of time face to face as a trade show. But of course, you have to consider it carefully before you commit to it because it is a financial investment and you need to be sure what you can get out of it. Yeah, I suppose it's it's like anything before you invest in any kind of, whether it's new computers or whether it's you know, an ad in a local paper or, you know, taking on someone to do leaflet drops for you. It's what will the return be on that investment? Is it going to help you make sales and will it pay for itself and, you know, improve your business as a result of that activity? Yeah, and it's is your business ready for it as well? Well, yeah, that's, uh, you know, if suddenly you're, you've got a, a flood of orders that you can't keep up with, that's not going to look good for you either, is it? So... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the pros and cons of uh, running your own business. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, that was going to be my next point, I suppose, is what are the pros and cons really of selling wholesale to other retailers? I think the pr- biggest pro is that it's paid for marketing, essentially. You know, it's more eyes on your brand. You get in front of customers that already know, like, and trust the retailers that you, yeah. you know, you're selling to. So it can give you credibility as a brand. It can make you more well known. And at the same time, as it's an exercise that you get paid for. So it's not, you know, it's a sales channel, but it's also marketing. So I think. That's the biggest pro, I would say. Yeah. And and what about the cons? What's the flip side of it? The flip side of it is you're giving up a whole bunch of margin, of course. So you're giving up a part of your profits. You have to sell it at a price so they can also make their margins. And I think another... F- this is going to be one of those cons that turns into a pro. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, another con is perhaps that, you know, it's often, it's very unfamiliar to lots of people. Often when I speak to startup owners, they did not get into business because they wanted to become a salesperson. They wanted to do something creative and set, they're passionate about what they do. They, they often forgot that they that means that they also have to become the sales manager in their own business. <laughs> They've got to bring enough money in to pay their own wages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's unfamiliar, you know, it's a bit scary. You don't know perhaps where you're going to start. But that's the case with any marketing or sales channel, I think. And I think that the flip side of it being a con is that you know, wholesale that has not changed that much over the last, I've been in the industry for 15 years. It's not changed that much. The only addition is perhaps these online marketplaces, but in terms of margin requirements, minimums, all of those things has not changed that much. So if you do put yourself into it and and you learn a little bit about it and you put yourself out there and even if it's scary, it is a really slow changing sales channel it's not like tiktok or instagram or 
threads or whatever the new social yeah. media platform is where you are very reliant on someone else's algorithm someone else's business yeah. making money um it, it's a really steady and personal sales channel that you will enjoy once you get start having those relationships with your retailers so yeah so would you say that makes it a bit more um suitable for people who are risk averse um i would say it's more suitable for people that don't want to be the face of their brand okay uh you know people that want started a business not thinking they had to put their face all over instagram or that sort of thing i think it makes it more suitable for people that want to be behind the scenes in their business and build a relationship with fewer people than on mass so how difficult is it for big retailers to make the plunge and and take the risk and stock products that are made by small independent retailers do they do it very often um more and more i would say because as the consumers has gotten more into shopping small shopping value led so the the big retailers kind of have to jump on board too right right they have to give their customers what they want so I think it's quite common now, you know, I have clients that are stocked in Liberties and Selfridges and John Lewis and Tesco and Sainsbury's, you know. Yeah. It does happen. It's, I think what's important for the big retailers is that you are ready to supply them, which means that, you know, you have to be able to ramp up your production and keep your quality the same, for example. Yeah. Um, and that you take in time to learn what they need. You know, when they ask for something, it's not generally to be difficult, but they will need things that perhaps your local independent doesn't need, you know, in terms of how things are delivered into them, when it's delivered into them, how things are labeled and that sort of thing. So there's a lot more to consider when you supply a big retailer versus a small retailer. Yeah. So that's all things that you need to sort of have considered in advance and included in your pitch when you're approaching a, a bigger, a bigger supply, a bigger retailer. They perhaps they won't expect you to put in your pitch, but they will expect you to have done the work and know what they're talking about, I would say. Sometimes if they're really keen on you, they will help you through it. Um, and a lot of buyers are very nice that way. But of course, the more back and forth you have asking about things they perhaps think you should already know, the longer it takes to make the kind of first order happen, the more chances that they change their mind there is. Yeah. So I think it's good to kind of know what they expect before you approach them. So any other, any other tips, you know, if you're approaching, you know, approaching a bigger retailer in terms of getting over the hurdles to to get through the door and get your products onto the shelves. I think product packaging needs to be on point. I think it needs to look like it fits into that shop before you approach them. You know, sometimes when we start, we start on a smaller scale. We can't access all the same suppliers, perhaps, in terms of packaging. But, you know, when you look at the shelves of say John Lewis everything looks like it fits into John Lewis so 
I would say packaging is what's going to make your product stand out to a big retailer a lot of times. Yeah. I think that you, you know, considered pricing so that the margins already work for them. And unfortunately, I think it really is beneficial for you to learn a little bit more about all the jargon that they're going to use when you talk to them. Right. Because it means that, you know, as much as I would love us to avoid jargon, (laughs) you know, it means that they don't have to explain themselves and you save them time. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. So I suppose as we come to the end of end of our chat, really, what kind of key message or piece of advice would you give to our listeners to take away with them today if they're interested in coming at, at wholesale from either either direction really is buying from or selling to so i think if you're a buyer so if you have a shop i think my advice would be to look in you know unusual places get these small businesses in they're great to deal with they will re it will be so enjoyable to stock things that are different so absolutely you know consider the small guys when you're buying um i think your customers will really enjoy it and then if you are on the brand side so you're looking to maybe start to wholesale I think wholesale can be a great way to grow your business. It's really a reliable sales channel. I think it's worth your time investment. But if when you start, make sure you set aside some time to really get it going because it does take a little bit of learning and experimenting at the start. Yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, before you go, can you let our listeners know where they can find you and your business online, please? So uh, you can find me on my website. My website is smallbusinesscollaborative.co.uk. It's rather long. (laughs) And I am uh, often on Instagram. So it's small underscore business underscore collaborative on there. That's perfect. Thank you. Thank you. I've really enjoyed my chat with Trace and I hope that you found some useful information in there. She certainly opened my eyes to the benefits of wholesale. I think the standout lessons for me were that if you're a small independent retailer, it's possible to find a whole host of producers selling just about anything you might want to stock in your retail business. Wholesale might enable you to secure exclusive stock or find other small independents that create artisan goods that your customers might be willing to pay a premium for. On the flip side, if you're a maker or a producer that can make multiple items, you could be selling in bulk to other businesses, both large or small. Wholesale could help you increase your sales. It could bring your business to the attention of a wider audience, and it can help you benefit from the reputation of a bigger brand that might be willing to stock your products. If you want to learn more about wholesale, you can find summary notes for this episode and links to more free resources by visiting startyourownbusinesspodcast.co.uk. With this podcast, we help you to start and run a more successful business and negotiate any challenges you may be facing when setting up and running your business. If you're enjoying what you've heard, please spread the word so we can help even more small business owners who are in the process of starting or running a business already. Finally, a big thank you to our sponsor, FAIR, for making this episode possible. Until next time, all the best. All the best.